Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Happy Halloween to you and yours. Your kids are looking at their clock watches on the wall of the school and they're going, hurry up, get me out of here so I can get my costume on and we can go trick or treating because it is Monday, October 31st, the year 2022. Happy 87th birthday to my coach. Dale Brown, and happy 71st birthday to the opponent of the LSU Tigers this weekend, Nick Saban, is 71 years young today. We had the Saints with an unbelievable performance. We have a firing in the SEC. We've got maybe criminal charges coming after the aftermath of a of a rivalry game inside the tunnel of a locker room. We got all kinds of stuff. We got game three of the World Series. The Pels go into La La Land and get a win. Can they back it up against a team that got their first win yesterday? And much, much more. But my main man, James Mesh, is um, back in the master control suite of the game studios. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is... 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, and you'd be amazed how many people actually listen in from around the world. Maybe they're LSU fans or UL alumni, whatever it may be, but we're on 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, and if you're in the Acadiana area, you got a television set on this beautiful Chamber of Commerce Day, turn it on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. 24-zip in the NFL is almost unheard of to hold a team scoreless. The Raiders didn't cross midfield till the very end of the game. They didn't have a play on their side of the field at all. Derek Carr only threw for 101 yards, 15 of 26, 101 yards and an interception. The Raiders only ran it for 38 yards. You do the math. That tells me their total offense was under 200. The Saints defense was wrecking havoc, and Alvin Kamara got his swag back. He ran for 62 yards. He caught passes for 96 yards. He had three touchdowns. And the Saints, right back in the thick of it with a convincing, convincing win over the Vegas Raiders. With that being said, a crazy, crazy, bizarre finish between the Falcons and the Panthers. So now the Falcons, whom the Saints beat with a come-from-behind Herculean effort, 
in week number one, leads the NFC South at four and four. The Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at three and five. The Panthers are at two and six, right in the thick of it, believe it or not. And um, what a performance. Andy Dalton, 22 of 30, 229 yards, two touchdowns, not one interception. He was good with a quarterback rating of 72.4 as compared to his counterpart. Derek Carr had a QBR of 14. 14. The Saints now get an extra day before they host on Monday Night Football, the Baltimore Ravens. So feeling pretty good about my New Orleans Saints. Chris Roseveglue will join us here in just a few minutes to talk all about that. It's it's Beat Bama Week. It's going to be a celebration all week long as the Tigers get ready for their opportunity to um, to claim their stake in the SEC West. We saw Tennessee just take care of business against Kentucky. We saw Georgia take care of business, although they were challenged a little bit by Florida. So that's game number one in the SEC this week. Um, Game number two, LSU-Bama. In five days, the Tigers will take on Alabama. And we've got some current, uh, some players coming back from injury, which is always a good thing. Major Burns, who suffered a neck injury in September, hasn't played in a game since will return to the practice field this week as a full go ahead of the matchup with the Tide. Um, Offensive guard Garrett Dellinger suffered a broken hand that required surgery in September. He returned in time for October's home game with Tennessee, but he exited the game with a knee injury. Um, Dellinger had a grade two MCL strain, would be sidelined multiple weeks. He's back at practice for the first time. Uh, which means he carries a day-to-day injury tag throughout the week ahead. Jack Besh and um, John Emery Jr. should both be back as well. So the Tigers should basically be at full strength for the Crimson Tide when they kick it off at 6 p.m. We found out LSU will face Arkansas in Fayetteville the following Saturday, November 12th. That will be an 11 o'clock kickoff. We'll talk with Glenn West about all things LS and U. Meanwhile, uh, in the NBA front, the New Orleans Pelicans got a win last night in LA. They beat the LA Clippers 112 to 91. Still no Brandon Ingram, but Zion Williamson was back. And in 31 minutes, he had, he, he, he was a stat sheet stuffer. He was a smorgasbord, 21 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists. C.J. McCollum had 22 points. Trey Murphy had 15, and off the bench, Larry Nance Jr. had 15 as well as the Pels get a big win, shooting nearly 50% from the field, holding the Clippers to 42%. 15 of 36 from downtown, 42% there. They had a rebound advantage of 11, 50 to 39. They had 32 assists on their 46 made field goals. They share because they care. Yes, and they got in the passing lane, had nine steals, only 10 turnovers. They dominated in points in the paint, 54 to 34. And now they take on their friends, 
uh, from Tinseltown. They, they won't go far because Wednesday they'll take on the L.A. Lakers. Uh, in, in, it's not the Staples Center. I don't know what they call the place anymore. Who knows? It's where the Lakers play. And the Lakers finally got their first win of the season last night. So there you go. After that, Wednesday night tip, uh, the Pels will come back home for a Friday night extravaganza as Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors come to town. It's tied a game apiece in the World Series. Game three comes up tonight. We will talk with Eddie Yarnell about that as uh, the Astros lost game one, came back and won game two, obviously. Game three tonight, first pick, 7-0-3. And uh, pitching, will that be the key to game number three? Well, we'll see. We'll talk to Eddie about that. Um, two teams, scrappy Phillies, uh, scrappy, scrappy. Um, and uh, we'll see. There'll be no Syndergaard for the Phils um, going up against Lance McCullers Jr. So Syndergaard has appeared in two postseason contests this October, including one shortened start. He's picked a total of five and a third innings, giving up just a run on three hits. McCullers has made two playoff starts, allowed three earned runs over 11 innings. So both teams will go with their starters until uh, they feel like they've uh, either run out of gas or have given up too many. Look, bullpens are good. Get to them, and we'll go from there. So we'll talk with Eddie Yarnell about that. We had a firing in the SEC. It wasn't a question of if. It was a question of when. And the Auburn Tigers, um, first off, got a new athletic director. Mr. Cohen left Mississippi State. He comes to Auburn, and when as soon as they got the new athletic director, that was the time to pull the trigger on Brian Harson, who um, whose firing comes less than forty-eight hours after they lost to Arkansas. So they get a new AD in John Cohen, the former Mississippi State AD. That's going to happen. That will be official today. They fire Brian Harson so that John Cohen can go out and get. His guy, um, Harson, ends his Auburn tenure with a nine and twelve record. He will be owed fifteen. And there's something wrong with this. There's, I mean, to tell you why. Why does a coach get motivated? Okay, you fire me. <laughs> I'm in year two of my deal. Year two. They owe him fifteen and a half million. Fifty percent of that, seven point seven five million, is due within. 30 days and the remaining 50% in four installments. Two years ago, the school decided to pay $21.7 million to buy out Gus Malzahn, who'd gone 68 and 34. Boy, does Auburn hold themselves in the highest of esteem? It is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Speaking of unbelievable, I don't understand. Why a school like, oh, by the way, the, the big target for Auburn, according to sources, Lane Kiffin. That's their number one choice. We'll see. We shall see. Uh, Billy Napier um, has uh, kicked off 
uh, linebacker Brenton Cox from the program. Um, Cox appeared to punch Georgia running back Kenny McIntosh after McIntosh scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Mullen said it was just a combination of things, the cumulative effect that led to Cox's dismissal, not one incident. Back to Michigan, Michigan State. Come on, big house. Get another. T- There's a simple way. There, did you see the video? Michigan just, you know, destroyed Michigan State. Michigan State's bad. They let both teams go into the tunnel after the game to get to their respective locker rooms. And for whatever reason, about four Michigan State players decided to just get after one of the Wolverine players. Another Wolverine comes there to help out, and they start kicking and punching and putting helmets on them. Uh, There'll be criminal charges for this. Four players have been uh, suspended from the team pending the uh, police investigation into this thing. Um, Jim Harbaugh saying, Shh, there's going to be criminal charges on this. How can there not be? Um, but come on. Come on. Simple thing. Simple thing. Team lose. Visiting team. Or more specifically, the team that loses. They go straight to the locker room. The team that wins stays on the field. They celebrate. They celebrate. You have security guards all over the place. You get that team through the tunnel into their locker room. You put a security guard outside that door. Nobody goes in. Nobody goes out. Then you let the victorious team go to their locker room. Why they let them all go at the same time? Are you dumb? Are you dumb? I mean, come on. Speaking of dumb, how about a Stanford student who um, – who is the mascot, the Stanford tree mascot. He's been suspended after unfurling a banner that read Stanford hates fun during the Cardinals football game against Arizona State on October 22nd. It was announced by Stanford Tree's Twitter account last night. Stanford doesn't like fun. That is, or Stanford hates fun. Okay. There you go. There's just some of your headlines today. we got a lot to talk about. We will do so starting with the New Orleans Saints in just a minute as uh, Chris Roseville Blue will join us. Best performance of the season, hands down. This is the Jordy Helpert Show in the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers and the Houston Astros who are on the road in Philly tonight. We'll be right back. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hey, we did the mash. Oh, by the way, uh, since it is Halloween, um, we do have for your perusal and to get a laugh out of things... um, Get to know the game Halloween Candy Favorites is posted. You can listen to find out all of our favorites, and you can agree, you can disagree, and whatever. But um, I, I said it before, I, and, and I get I get chastised by many people, but I am a candy corn guy. And we already talked to Chris Roseglue about this. Did we? Chris, what's your Halloween favorite, buddy? Oh, we did actually. I, I went yeah. with uh, with Kit Kat. Good, That's good old right. Reliable Can't go me. wrong. Can't go wrong with that. Hey, um, I didn't see that coming. And we had talked about how 
One of the biggest surprises was this New Orleans Saints defense, and particularly up front, and their really their inability to affect the opposing quarterback. <laughs> it looks like looks like they figured it out because that was by far, hands down, their best performance of the season. It's not even close, and the defense was the catalyst. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about it last week when we were saying, you know, the quarterback decision wasn't the right one. And we were like, hey, look, if this defense doesn't get back on the right track, then it doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback. And this was such an impressive performance. And I look back at what happened with the Raiders the last three games they played. A lot of people talk about, well, they're only a two-win team. They're not a good football team. That might be true, but what I know about the Raiders is they're a really good offensive team. Over the last three games, they had 32 against the Broncos. They had 29 against the Chiefs. They had 38 against the Texans. The Saints go out there and shut them out. They crossed midfield just once. Uh, It was dominant. The defensive line played well. The run game you know, stifled Josh Jacobs to just 43 yards. Devontae Adams just had one reception. It was the best performance we've seen from this defense all year. And honestly, now you finally have some optimism going into future weeks about what this unit can do. Amen. Uh, the Saints officially recorded nine quarterback hits. They had four sacks. And as you mentioned, I mean, they, golly, just look at the numbers. Um, 38 yards rushing, 145 yards pass. That's that's like um, a college team playing a junior varsity high school team. Um, my gosh, what was, and, and Alante Taylor, how good was he in shutting down Devontae? I mean, Devontae Adams was a non-factor completely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that was one of the big parts about it. And the, the beauty about what Alante Taylor has really brought to this team, it's not just him playing at a high level, even though he was kind of thrown to the wolves, right? DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. Thursday night football. Then yeah. you play the Raiders, you go up against Devontae Adams. You really answer the call twice, but what I've really noticed with him, and maybe it's because he's a rookie and, and it's kind of that you know mentality where you don't know any better and just fired up, he's given the defense that kind of energetic boost they need that I think they lost when they got rid of Gardner Johnson. You saw this team at times just didn't play with that energy you're accustomed to seeing, but we saw it yesterday. I mean, guys like Tyron Matthew, guys like Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, fired up from the start to the finish, and he's been a big factor. Now I'm just curious when Marshawn Lattimore comes back what do you do with Alante Taylor? Do you make him the starter opposite of him? I think that would kind of be the fair move with the way that this rookie has played so far the past two games. And I think when Lattimore comes back, we might finally see this unit play a better brand of football. And a big part of it is what he's brought to this secondary. No question. And they work hand in hand. The pressure, I mean, it just works hand in hand. But I really thought the key, again, Josh Jacobs was totally ineffective as well. So their go-to guys, Derek Carr, we said, probably had the better quarterback. Well, Andy Dalton outplayed him. Josh Jacobs, really good, but Alvin Kamara certainly outplayed him. And uh, the Saints wide receivers, um, Chris Olave, was better than than their best wide receiver. So put it all in the blender, and that's what you get. And, boy, Kamara backed up his words with his actions. He was, man, he was great. He really was, and I think about you know with this season, with the way Alvin's gone about it, we already knew Alvin Kamara was a special player. We saw that as a rookie, what he can do both as a receiver, as a runner, but this season more than ever, you know, no more Sean Payton, no more Drew Brees, 
no more Teron Armstead. You're kind of looking for that leader on offense, and he's really taking that role. Uh, we saw, you know, after Thursday night, he spoke to the team. He had that kind of inspired, you know, talk with them after the loss. And even after yesterday's game, where he had three touchdowns, he had over 100 scrimmage yards, he really did whatever he wanted against this Raiders defense. He talked about how, you know, this swagger that they've built, it doesn't mean anything if they're not consistent moving forward. So he didn't go out there parading his stats, talking about what he backed up, even though he did back up his words with his actions, like you said. He's just immediately focused to the next game. And look, the NFC South, it's a mess. And if the Saints can play complementary football like they did yesterday, there's a path to winning a really bad division right now. So I'm very curious to see how this goes down, and I'm also curious to see if the Saints can kind of build off this offensive momentum. They don't need to be great offensively. Just play turnover-free football. Let your playmakers like Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill get the ball in the red zone, which they did Thank yesterday, you. and I think you'll get great results. I love I love Taysom Hill. I love when they let him go and play. Everybody knows what he's going to do, but he still gets it done. It just makes life easier for everybody. So you're right. It was It was clean. It was efficient. It was balanced. And because of what the defense was doing, because of what the offense, there was some swagger. There was a lot more energy. seemed like a lot more enthusiasm and a lot more effort, Chris. Absolutely. And, and you know, the effort thing, that's kind of the last two games. Think of the Bengals and the Cardinals game. Bengals late, it seems like the Saints got worn down, made mistakes in the last four minutes. You think about the Cardinals game. Towards the end of the first half and the start of the second half, they look like they lost that energy. I mean, we're talking about a Saints team that played with so much passion yesterday, didn't let up, where the Raiders didn't cross midfield until the final drive of the game, where both teams kind of took the starters off, said, hey, we're going prevent. You got Jared Stidham in. Then they finally crossed midfield. I mean, the Raiders offensive, we talk about Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Derek Carr. They had 73 yards of offense through the first half. It was so dominant. And even offensively, look, did they wow us in the, in the second half? No, they didn't. But guess what they didn't do? They didn't turn over the football. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. Had a comfortable 24-0 lead and really played it smart from there. Played the field position game. Didn't make any risky plays. Get too cute with things. So, yeah, absolutely. The energy was there and also the lack of self-inflicted wounds. And if that can continue, then all of a sudden we're starting to see a path where, hey, can they win some of these winnable games that are coming up on the schedule? Yeah, they, you know, they can't just walk on the field and, and just go beat opponents at home anymore. They they got to play with that intensity, that enthusiasm, and and give that, that fan base something to get excited about, which excites me about what's coming ahead with Monday night when the Ravens come to town. And But it, it, this showed how they have to play, and it showed how they are capable of playing, which always leads me to believe – where where was the where were these guys? Yeah, and and you know the, the crazy thing is it wasn't like they suddenly got healthy, right? Michael Thomas still out, Jarvis Landry yeah. still out, Marshawn Lattimore still out, no Adam Troutman. So you're missing a couple of key starters, and it just looked like whether it was the ten days off, whether it was losing another game in an embarrassing fashion where you had to take a long hard look in the mirror and say, hey, we are not this team, we're not accustomed to losing. Maybe that's what it took, and. I need to see one or two more games. And honestly, if they go out and win Monday night, the whole perception of this team changes. You start to feel yeah. a little bit more confident. And I'll, I will say this. We don't know if the same effort will be there. But what I do know is because they won this game and because the division is just so wide open, I think the crowd and the energy on Monday oh. night against the Ravens team that is pretty good, 
I yeah. think it's going to be infectious, and they need that. I think this team kind of needs a lift from the crowd, and it'll go from there if they can keep this one close. And, and I think they certainly can next week. It's not like they're playing uh, an absolute powerhouse, but I just want to see it more consistent. But if they can, it's going to be interesting because we're talking about guys who, even Tyron Matthew, people have questioned, hey, is the energy there, is the focus there? I thought he looked great yesterday, and it wasn't just because of the turnover. Yeah. Him being in the right spots, didn't really give up yeah. big plays. So I think this could be the confidence boost they need. One more win, I think they're going to start to believe a little bit more. You know, we've seen them have a win against the Seahawks. We've seen them now against Sunday, um, You know what they just did against the Raiders. I need to see it a little bit more consistent. If that happens, I think you'll see the locker room start to buy in even more. Chris Rose of Glue Boot Crew Media, amongst the many things that he does, look, they played – they played with enthusiasm. They played smart. Only 27 penalty yards, their lowest of the season. They didn't commit a turnover. Heck, the offensive line was terrific. They were so good, the Raiders failed to record a single quarterback hit in the game, much less a sack. So it was like the perfect game at the perfect time to get some confidence back in this club. And as you said, I mean, Atlanta's at four and four. Saints and Bucks are three and five. Um, it's right there for the taking. Let's go get it. Yeah, and and look at the schedule too. I mean, you have a Panthers team next week. They go up against the Bengals. That could very well be a loss for Carolina. You have Tampa Bay versus a Rams team that, just like the Bucks, the Rams kind of have their backs against the wall. They they're in a must win situation. That won't be an easy game for Tampa Bay. You think at Atlanta, they've kind of been up and down, and even yesterday, that game was an emotional roller coaster. If you're a Falcons or Panthers fan, they play the Chargers next week. So they all have kind of tough opponents, and so do the Saints. They're not going to be able to just roll over the Ravens. But you can go into that Monday night game possible where the Bucks, Panthers, and Falcons are all coming off of losses, and a win all of a sudden ties you for first place in the division. And all you really have to do moving forward is take care of your division games. You got a, a game at home against the Falcons, a game at home against the Panthers, and then you have one on the road to the Bucks, where Raymond James Stadium has all of a sudden become kind of the Saints' secondary home with the way they've played on the road against the Bucks over the last two years. So it's all out there in front of them. And it, and it sounds crazy, right? Because two, three weeks ago, we'd be talking about how poorly they played. What's the matter with this team? Do they have the right coach? And it is just one win. But you know what? This year, more than any other year, you kind of just have to take everything in stride and understand it's a marathon, not a sprint. And fortunately for the Saints, they have time now to possibly get healthy and maybe get things rolling and play the Saints football that we know they can because they just showed us yesterday they're possible and, and they have the potential to do so. Saints are three and five. Baltimore comes in at five and three. The Ravens are an early three point road favorite in the ball game, but we shall see. Chris. Uh, happy Halloween to you and yours, and uh, thank you so much as always. That was, uh, man, I, you never know in the NFL. It's just out of the clear blue sky. Look what happened. And now now hope springs eternally again for the New Orleans Saints, and it's kind of fun, buddy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Happy Halloween to you guys. All right, buddy. You're the best. That is Chris Rosevoglu with Boot Crew Media. Uh, the Houston Astros head to the city of brotherly love to take on the Phillies. Game three of the World Series. You can listen to every pitch. Clutch hit. Thrilling moment of game three tonight on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Astro launch begins at 630. First pitch set for 703. And you can listen to it all live on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. LSU, big, big ball game. Also on the game on Saturday starting at 6 o'clock. The Alabama Crimson Tide comes to town. We'll talk about what Brian Kelly had to say today and much, much more when we return here on the Jordy Heltberg Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles.
A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back on this Halloween Monday, October 31st. It's Beat Bama Week. You're going to see signs all over the place. Yes, yes, yes. All these games. It's so good that this game is actually meaningful. It was meaningful in 2019, and LSU had to do everything in their power. As great as LSU was that year, they had to fight and fight and fight till the bitter end to beat Alabama. Well, uh, it matters again. This year, it matters a lot. And Glenn West is kind enough to join us and yet again on a Monday. Hello, Glenn. Happy Halloween, buddy. Hey, Jordy. Happy Halloween. How are you? Dude, you would make the you would make the ultimate Frankenstein. Ultimate. Frankenstein? You would be I, just put a couple little fake screws in your neck, and you're so I, tall. That's paint true. Your face. You would scare kids. It'd be great. I wasn't a big Frankenstein guy growing up. I was Iron Giant, so maybe Iron Ooh. Giant might be uh, up more up my alley. But I'll Iron take Frankenstein. Giant. In all my days. I feel ignorant. I've never heard of Iron Giant. Really? Oh, that came out when I was little, little, and we watched it a lot growing up. It's a wow. good one. It's a good okay. little I will, I will do what everyone does. I will Google that, and I will become informed. Um, isn't it great that LSU Bama is playing for something legit after a couple of years where it just didn't matter? Yeah, no, I think it absolutely is. You can certainly feel the buzz. I think started last week um, yep. with the open date. You could certainly tell that, um, you know, from the conversations we were having with Coach Kelly and from other people in the program that they were really chomping at the bit to, to get to this week. And, you know, there's a lot of lot on the line. I mean, you're playing for a lot this week. Obviously, these two programs are tied for first in the SEC West right now. You get kind of Whoever wins this game is going to be in the driver's seat for that tiebreaker. Uh, yeah, for that for that tiebreaker. So, yeah. um, going to be a, a huge one for for LSU. Um, you know, talking with Coach Kelly today, um, you know, he pretty much said, "Team's excited. Our guys understand the challenge, um, but it's it's definitely going to be a, a an uphill climb, and, and it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a good he's one. so good. He he really is good at those things. I mean, he says things the right way. He gives you a little bit of coach speak, but he gives you a lot more than just coach speak. I I, I think he's really, really good. And don't tell me coaching doesn't matter because it obviously, obviously does. Oh, by the way, I'm remiss. Back to Halloween. We (laughs) we got this thing posted with all our favorite top five Halloween candy. So what is Glenn West's go-to Halloween candy? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I'm gonna stick with the uh, with the favorite, the Reese's peanut butter cup. I think Reese's I like those a lot. Peanut that's butter. Probably a very popular answer, so it's probably pretty boring. But no, no, no. You gotta favorite. go. You gotta go with what you like. My favorite movie thing is you get the popcorn, you get the Reese's pieces, you put it in there, a little sweet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Um. Okay. So LSU has to play their best game, obviously. Jaden Daniels has to play his best game. This team will go as he goes, right? I think so. I think you, it, you really got to get your best players out on the field in this game, and that's something that that was one of the big takeaways I had from Coach Kelly today. You know, he was asked specifically uh, about the linebackers and and trying to mix Perkins and Baskerville and Ojalary all together at the same get time. Get them all in. You got to figure out a way to do it, and yes. and I think that's the. Um, you know, that's the give and take here with this game. You got to have your athletes out on the field and you got to be able to, 
you know, put, you know, as Marcus Spears said a couple of years ago, put your five stars against their five stars and see which ones come out on top. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be a really important game for really all of the top guys. I mean, not just Daniels, but, you know, Ojolari is going to have to play well. You're going to have to get some really stellar play from Jark Bernard Converse in the secondary uh, because Bryce Young is one of those guys (laughs) where you're not going to be able to get him down very easily and he's going to be able to make those passes off platform and and really be able to make stuff happen down the field so it's going to be a huge test for this defense but I think you know if you're looking at this offense right now it's going to have to run through Jaden Daniels um, what you've seen the last two weeks I don't think is a fluke I think he's yeah. really figured some stuff out offensively and I think LSU is going to take that momentum and run look I, I love Joe Burrow and he was great this is the first time I think LSU has a quarterback that has the type of formula that gives Nick Saban and his defenses fits. The teams yep. that have always beat him have been teams that had really, really good quarterback play with quarterbacks that could get out of trouble and, and move around. LSU hadn't had that in a long time, but they've got that if they can implement that. And if he can play within himself and, and doing all this, uh, like he has, like you mentioned the past two weeks, but the key I think is it's going to be an emotional absolute explosion at that stadium. Yeah. Alabama's used to that every week, wherever they go, that's what they're used to. LSU's not. How does LSU handle that? How, how do they get out of the gate? That's so important to me in my mind. Yeah. You can't let the bright lights affect you in this one. I think that's going to be, um, you know, a huge point of emphasis for this group. Um, you mentioned Jaden Daniels. I mean, like, Three weeks ago, I mean, Hendon Hooker had his way with Alabama's defense. And so um, if you're looking at Jaden Daniels, I know he's not been Hendon Hooker as consistently this year, but you could argue the last two weeks or the last two performances he's put together are as good as any, uh, you know, quarterback in the SEC has done, you know, yeah. all year. So, yeah. um, you know, I think it's going to be really important for, for LSU not to get uh, affected by those conditions, by the atmosphere. It's going to be – really highly charged. I think you've got to have your mind in the right place. Um, and, and it's just going to be really important for LSU to start fast. I mean, we've said that all year long, yeah. but you've got to be able to do it. And Brian Kelly's even talked about practicing, um, going pad, you know, contact drills earlier in practice to kind of get the, the lather going to get the sense of, we got to bring a sense of urgency here and now to hopefully that will equate to how they react in a game. Yeah, they've done some of that, and they've also, um, you know, a couple times this year they practiced in Tiger Stadium on Thursday and Friday just to get that feel. Um, yeah, I think at, at this point in the year, I'm not sure how much they're going to be doing that, but um, maybe for this game, just because you know how raucous it's going to be, maybe you pump some fake noise in there uh, just to kind of get the flow of the atmosphere for the offense and kind of just maybe run through things uh, later this week in practice, but. Yeah, I mean, all that's going to be super important. And, and, you know, I think the biggest thing that we've learned here in the last, two, you know, cup, kind of couple of weeks is if LSU is just able to start even decent, even average, like if they can just have like a, a halftime deficit of three points or just be tied going into the break, this is a second half team. They, yeah, they yeah. play extremely well in the second half. Their coaches have done a great job adjusting in the locker room. And they're in um, shape. And, and they're, yeah, they're in great physical condition. That's something that Coach Kelly has harked on all season long. And so if you can get Alabama into a game, and this is not an Alabama, you know, team that has been privy of mistakes and penalties and and all that stuff. If you can kind of make it a messy game early, um, that, that certainly bodes well in your favor. And I think that's 
got to be in the game plan for LSU. You got to be able to mix it up on them. It's kind of like I thought the key to the Saints win over the Raiders was they 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 stopped Josh Jacobs, the running back. I think I think Jameer Gibbs is the key yeah. to them because because Alabama doesn't have those receivers that scare the heck out of you anymore. They don't have yeah. the Devontae. They don't have the um, you know, all, all the guys that are that are doing unbelievable things in the NFL now. So they're more uh pedestrian than they've ever been at that position. So you stop that running game. Okay, I know they got a great quarterback. I do. I just think their wide receivers are normal, not superhuman. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, Jameer Gibbs is going to be a huge X factor in this game. Um, I think that, you know, the the Gibbs slash Josh Williams slash Armani Goodwin kind of battle, you know, which running game mm-hmm. kind of gets going earliest, uh, which one can move the chains, which one can get you in second and third and short. Um, that's going to be where this game is really won. I mean, um, you know, LSU's offensive line has played extremely well the last two weeks, but overall has been extremely, you know, kind of inconsistent. And, you know, when you're going up against a guy like Will Anderson, who's probably going to be a top three pick next year in the draft, mm-hmm. um, he's a special defensive player. And I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be a really big challenge for these freshman tackles, Will Campbell and Emory Jones, um, to, to really get a good key in on him. Uh, so you've got to be able to establish the run, uh, make sure that, you know, he's not getting, you know, the pressure on you as consistently as, uh, you know, on Daniels. So that's going to be a huge factor in this one. Uh, Glenn West, um, update on some injuries. We get, uh, we're sure. getting some, some Tigers back, ready to roll. Yeah, yeah. so uh, Major Burns was cleared. He's going to be back in practice this week. Um, Garrett Dellinger, the offensive lineman, is going to be back in practice. He's still day-to-day. Um, they're still figuring out some stuff with his knee, so he might not be uh, ready to play against Bama. Um, I was kind of always of the opinion that, you know, after the last two weeks, maybe just don't mess with the O-line. Just, no. It'd be good to have him in there for depth. Yeah, right? just so, as an emergency situation. Yeah, yes. Exactly. And then uh, and then Jack Besh is the other one that we asked about today, the receiver. Uh, he's still going to be day-to-day as well. Uh, he's dealing with a little bit of a back strain, but he's going to try to practice this week and should learn more about his status later in the week if he's going to play. Since LSU and Alabama basically go after the same recruits, this there's always the underlying story behind the story, and that's part of it as well. Um, and this is part of that process that that Brian Kelly's talking about, incremental steps. But you get a win, or you, you it helps in recruiting now and and down. I can still vividly remember LSU beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa that unforgettable season and after the game all the players ran to the stu- to the stands where all the recruits were they were yeah. saying come to us we're yep. we're the team now yeah that we're- was that was a really uh that was a really cool moment for sure you had thad moss running down there with i think patrick queen was in that mix as well i mean just a really cool moment but absolutely i mean recruiting um this week in particular is going to be huge i mean like we're I mean, we're running a whole bunch of stuff nationally and here locally on 24-7 that, you know, LSU's in the mix for a lot of these guys. And a lot of these guys are going to be making decisions very soon. Um, LSU's in the mix for an offensive lineman, DJ Chester, who commits later this week. Um, I think LSU feels good about their position there. Um, But building this thing for the future has got to start with 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 excellent recruiting classes from for freshmen i mean they can hit the portal as much as they like i think the portal is going to be very useful to them again this offseason but coach kelly said that's it not again. the plan though right yeah, they, they want to build and develop yeah. so coach kelly said it again today like we want to be able to build this from the freshman up i mean like that's got to be our 
our process and it's going to take several years to get there. Um, but they feel like they, they, you know, they're, they're going to get off to a really good start this year. This is their first full year where they get to recruit a recruiting class for a whole year uh, with 2023. Uh, and then they're also uh, making some really good noise on 2024 as well. So uh, lots of, lots of good stuff coming up in recruiting, but this is a huge week for that. Uh, Brian Kelly's overdue against Bama. He, he hadn't had much success. In fact, um, on the highest of stages, it was, it was ugly early. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah, he, he lost, I think, the 2013 National Championship with Manti Teo, and that was a game that wasn't was even close. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of a blowout from the start. So I know that he would really like uh, to, to get to notch a win against Saban. And look, I think, yeah, I made the point today in an article that I wrote, but at the end of the day, you know, he's going to be judged in part, at least short term, how he does in this game and how he does in this particular game, how his team looks in this uh, in this matchup in particular is going to be extremely important because you're going to be playing Alabama um, every year until at least 2025, and then we'll figure out what the scheduling looks That's like right. after that. But That's right. Good um, point. You know, Bama's always going to be right there. I mean, they're always going to be a team that whenever you play, uh, LSU's going to have to – to really circle them, and that's going to be the key, the marquee matchup of the season more times than not. So, uh, how that all comes together, um, you know, I think that's that's a big thing here that shouldn't be lost in all this. Is just how important this game is for for Brian Kelly and just kind of the outlook of his program in the future. LSU is going to have to score points because I promise you, Bama's going to score points. They they almost beat Tennessee. We'd be talking about a whole different scenario. They could have should have beat Tennessee. Tennessee did got the, got the better of them. So LSU is going to have to score some points. I got to ask you this. So, so Auburn uh, goes and takes an athletic director away from Mississippi state and John Cohen. And then as soon as they kind of you know, behind the scenes, got that done, they said, okay, we're cutting bait with uh, Brian Harson. He's done. We're going to pay him 15 and a half million. And according to my buddy, Brandon Marcello, he says, number one targets Lane Kiffin. Really? Yes. Huh? Okay. Lane Kiffin, and he knows Auburn as well as anybody. Yep, yep. Um, I, I that's the first time hearing of that. But I mean, look, I mean, Auburn's just coming off a thing two years ago where they bought out Malzahn for twenty-one million. Yeah, for yeah, I mean, crazy, um, crazy money that's being thrown around right now. And um, you know, I think if you look at the you know the Auburns of the world, the Mississippi States of the world, Texas A and M. There's a lot of programs right now in the SEC that are in flux as they kind of make this transition into a new era for the conference. I think this thing's going to be about as open as can be. Um, you're going to have your Alabama and your Georgia right there at the top, but uh, LSU's got a chance to really squeeze in yep. here and, and, and I think assert itself as a kind of a number three, maybe number two and number one as they kind of make their ranks here up the Kelly era. But I think there's, real opportunity here for LSU to really kind of climb into that seat and be one of the premier blue bloods in this, uh, in the sec again, this is when the sec wishes the playoff had expanded. You got five teams in the top 15 sure. and, and, and they're meaningful games. It's not like, Oh, Alabama's already won it. And Georgia's already won it. And they're punching their ticket to Atlanta and everybody else is just like playing for a bowl game. They're meaningful games in November. And it's fun to do, fun to do. Uh, Glenn West, I still think you'd be a great Frankenstein. I know you like right. the iron deal, but I'll take, I'll take Frankenstein. Frankenstein, then. one time, just one year, put the little sure. screws in the neck, you know, and paint your mm -hmm. face gray. You'd be fantastic. Thanks. Almost as fantastic as you do writing and talking to us on the radio. Thank you, my friend.
Thank you, Jordy. I appreciate right. it. You take care, buddy. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back, wrap up hour number one, set the stage for a very busy hour number two here on the Jordy Helpert Show. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Bikes, brews, and omelets, too, returns this weekend. You can enjoy some of the best cycling in South Louisiana and finish the day with food, beers, and live music. Man, that sounds like fun. Register now at latrail.org. There's a variety of routes set ranging from 10 to 100 miles. I ain't doing 100. Sorry. Saturday's path explores St. Martin Parish and ends up at Tante Marie with hot gumbo. Sunday starts and finishes in Abbeville just in time for the giant omelet celebration. Sign up at latrail.org. We talked about the Saints. Just to throw a stat out there. Uh, the Saints are two and five against the Ravens all time. They've never beaten them in the Superdome. They've only played twice, 2006, 2014, 0 and 2 in the Dome. That comes to a screeching halt on a Monday night football next Monday night. Uh, coming up, hour number two of the program. The Pels off to a good start. Zion back. They beat. The Clippers last night, they got the Lakers on Wednesday. Ali Cassell will join us. We'll preview game three of the World Series with Eddie Yarnell. More on the Tigers and the Tide with Blake Rafina. That's all coming your way. Hour number two of the Jordy Helper Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for what promises to be an unbelievable Tiger Stadium Saturday night. And for the Houston Astros tonight in Philly. Back for hour number two next live and local this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station open for the end zone it's a saints touchdown it's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves here's your host the blonde bomber jordy holberg Hour number two of two, and away we go on this uh, happy Halloween to you and to yours. The kids are out of school. They, they are ready, baby. They're getting ready to put that costume on and go to town. What a fun time uh, it shall be. Everyone be careful, be safe, and enjoy every bit of it. What a day it was yesterday for the city of New Orleans. The Saints come up with their biggest win and their best win uh, of the season uh, with a 24 zip shutout of the Vegas Raiders. And then all the way across the country on the West coast, the new Orleans Pelicans get Zion back and they just put it to the LA Clippers beat them by 21, 112 to 91. The Pels are now four and two overall three and one away from the Smoothie King Center, and they get to stay in L.A. They're at the Ritz-Carlton Marina Del Rey. Been there, done that with them. And they await Wednesday night's matchup with LeBron and the Lakers. And I'm not even mentioning that other guy's name. But Ali Cassell joins us on this uh, wonderful, beautiful day to talk about the Pels. Ali, happy, uh, happy Halloween, my friend. 
Oh, happy Halloween to you too, Jordy. And guess what? I just got done watching CJ McCollum and Trey Murphy on ESPN's Today Show. They did a whole, oh. you know, 10-minute segment. That shows you just how big and how popular the Pelicans are becoming. <laughs> I love it. Man, have, if, when, C, when CJ McCollum starts shooting the ball like he's capable of shooting it, Look, he he's not. Well, he was four for eight from downtown. So last night was one of his better nights. But he he hasn't started off great, but he's still so valuable. But man, when Zion puts up numbers like that, he doesn't need to get 30 points in my book. But when he gets 12 rebounds, seven assists, a steal and only one turnover. Man, does this become a, a, a dangerous club? I think that has to make everybody happy inside that. New Orleans organization, because look, we can see it. There's so much talent on this team, Jordy. You don't yep. need, say, like in the Stan Van Gundy year, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson the golfer say a combined 70 points. No, you don't need that. Because you just mentioned one guy, C.J. McCollum. Don't forget about Jonas. He can get you 20 points. Yeah. Trey Murphy, he is exploding in his second season. We already know what Jose Alvarado brings. Devontae Graham, Larry Nance, there's so many guys I can give you. Yeah. So you're right. You don't want to see a lopsided stat line for Zion. You want to see where he's scoring, distributing, rebounding, and getting some defensive stats. You want to see him doing it all across the board because I think that's what, like I said, everybody wants to see because this team is so deep and loaded. I've got to apologize to Najee Marshall because I thought, where's this guy going to play on this team? Uh, what, man, how valuable has he been? He had the most minutes against the Clippers, 39. He goes 7 of 13 from the field, 3 of 5 from downtown, gets 17 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. I mean, I, I apologize, Najee. You're, you're playing really good basketball. Where'd that come from? Yeah, there's a reason why the Pelicans are 4-2, and two, and it's because guys like Najee, and I've already mentioned Trey and Jose, I can't believe I forgot to mention Najee because over his last three games, he's been absolutely otherworldly compared to what we've seen of him in the past, right? Last couple of years, he looked like a replacement-level player, right? You need some minutes filled because you're really hurting. It's a blowout game. Well, Najee's your guy. Suddenly, he looks like a player that deserves minutes on a very good squad. So, Willie Green, once his team, hopefully if, but once they get fully healthy, he's going to have a heck of a problem trying to find playing time for these guys. Najee yeah. looks like he should be getting 30 minutes a night, right? He can defend yes. the best player on the opposing team. He's chaotic on offense to where in a good way, right? So when there's a breakdown, say it's in transition, or he catches the ball weak side and there's a driving lane, he's your guy because he loves getting to the rim. And suddenly he's showing off a three-point ball, and he's not making any errors. So like I said, I'm just in awe of this team because they've got 10, 11, 12 guys that deserve minutes because of either improvement or because they're already established stars. What, what, what drives me crazy and what um, p- fans out there don't, that don't really follow the NBA, here's what, here's what I get all the time. I don't want to go watch that. They don't start playing until after, after Christmas, and they don't start playing until the fourth quarter. That's when they start. Well, I beg to differ. Um, I mean, look, Pell's got out slow, but that second quarter, man, they put 34 on the board, got right back in the game. Then the third quarter came along, and that's when they blew – uh, the Clippers out, and then they just added on to it. So what I like about this club is it's kind of like a college team. I, I, they they just play hard. They play together, and it looks like they don't care who gets the glory. They just – they're having fun together. And that that in that world, in that league, is so 
unusual. It is. Yeah, we saw that camaraderie build last year. Even though they got off to a really slow start, I heard all the way back in training camp that this is unusual. This group of guys in the locker room, how much they like each other, how hard they were practicing, how they liked to practice, how they liked to go to the gym, you know, for workouts, and, and staying after practice, working on their games. And it's true, because I've gone, you know, for the last, what, five-odd, seven years, two practices, and I've never seen a team so, you know, involved in wanting to get better, both on and off the court, and in a together manner. And it's continued on to this season, but now that talent, right, is starting to percolate. They've made all the right moves. This, this young group has now gotten so much better to where this team now suddenly has a top four, you know, we were saying ceiling in the West, but why not that almost you know, be the floor, right? Because they look like one yeah. of the best teams in the West. So, yeah, through the first six games, we've seen something that we haven't seen before. But I want to say this. To your point, Jordy, there are other players on other teams noticing them. First game of the year, Kevin Durant was talking highly of them, how he has noticed mm-hmm. them. But I tell you what, last night, after the game, Marcus Morris was talking about why the Clippers are not playing well, why they've gotten off to a slow start. Well, you know what he said? He said, we're not playing hard. We're not playing like that team we played tonight, like the Pelicans. So, like I said, suddenly everybody sees what this team is doing out there, and they're a real threat. They are honestly a real threat in the West to make a lot of noise this year. Top four in the West in points per game. They're averaging 118.5. Top four in points allowed, 111.3. They've got a uh, plus 7.2 point differential. Um, I mean – they are who they are right now, and in a in a Western Conference where you've got Portland and Phoenix at five and one, San Antonio surprising everybody, Utah's surprising everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if the Pels are surprising people at four and two. I think I think people really, like you said, uh, I think people think they're pretty darn good. Yeah, they've had two twenty point blowouts of teams. Four of their top six guys are reserves in minutes played. And yet they have a four and two record. As you just mentioned, they have one of the best offenses. But overall, right, the advanced stats yeah. say they've been a top five team, uh, where their net rating comes in at fifth, right? Bouncing offense and defense. So it's not like the defense has been bad. It's just been kind of average, but the offense has been so good. It's carried the day. And you yeah. know what? They're just going to get better. I mean, think about if this team can stay healthy, right? If, if Willie Green can use his starters, which is one of the best starting lineups so far in this league, right? The right. usual guys. Right. But then off the bench, you've got Najee, Jose, Trey, Larry Nance, Devontae Graham, who we haven't even talked about. I think he's having a nice bounce-back season. So this team's deep, and I don't think it's no mistake that they're towards the top of the standings. And I'll tell you what, to your point, Jordy, I like seeing the Spurs and the Jazz up there because you know what that tells me? There's a lot of talent in this league, right? So these yes. everybody thought these teams right, were going to be competing. Yes. Well, guess what? I like jazz, the Jazz roster. They don't have a star. But they've got 10, 11, 12 guys that deserve minutes on an NBA floor. And you're seeing yep. what they do when they get committed, right? So I, yep. I love it. Speak volumes to the talent. But back to the original That's... point, the Pelicans, they seem to have one of the most talented rosters in the league, and we've seen it through the first couple of weeks. And that's why you see the Lakers at one and five. Everybody's out for their own. LeBron wants to pass Kareem Russ. He he just wants to shoot and he can't shoot. And I don't know what Anthony Davis thinks out there, but they get them Wednesday night. Explain to everyone why we want the Lakers uh, to be so bad because of a draft pick situation. Right. Stemming from that Anthony Davis trade three years ago. uh, One of the picks that the Pelicans got in exchange for him was a pick swap for this season. 
So what that means is that the Pelicans have the right to swap their first-round pick with the Lakers if they so choose. So naturally, if the Lakers finish with a worse record, and especially a really bad record, there's a good chance they're going to be in the lottery and maybe grab you know, that first, second, or third overall pick. And right now, there's 14% chance of that happening. So it's not wow. like it, it's insignificant. And think about that. What that means then is suddenly the Pelicans could draft, thanks to this pick swap, Victor Wembanyama, who people are saying mm-hmm. is going to be the best, right? The best rookie coming in this league since LeBron James. And there's, a, there's yeah. another name. Scoot Henderson, he's not a bad uh, consolation prize at number two. So the Pelicans could conceivably land one of these guys and go on a deep run in the playoffs. It's something you never see. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Lakers Wednesday night, and then Golden State comes to the Smoothie King Center. I called up my buddy. said, man, I need, I need a couple of tickets. He said, Jordan, it's, it's a complete sellout. I said, well, if somebody gives them up, you know who to call. He goes, I will, because I want to go see that, because I want to see Steph. And that that's always a litmus test there, but the Warriors are three and four. So, so early on, I mean, we, we had talked about the significance and the importance of the Pelicans to get a good start to the season, even without Brandon Ingram, they're four and two. Um, so prayers answered. Yeah. I mean, look, not just Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Herb Jones also missed yep. uh, two games. All three of the Pelicans, I think most important players missed three games together, and yet the Pelicans survived that by going one and one, right? Yeah. I thought in Phoenix they were in that game until late in that third quarter. They, they had sure were. more firepower, were hitting their shots. That one would have gone down to the wire. So this team, yeah, they're battling, they're scrapping, but they also have the talent. And when you play together, and I've talked to people always, and I know you have too, Jordy, people say talent wins in this league, but guess what? That chemistry and that camaraderie is what ignites that talent. That's yes. what gets teams off to good starts, right, to start a season. That's exactly what I think we're seeing. Yes, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. I agree to all of that. Boy, the Clippers, uh, without Kawhi Leonard, they're not a very good team. I'm sorry. They're not they good. So score. the Pels yeah, are Jordan, beating they're, teams they're that they're the supposed Lakers. to beat, which has not always been the case. What, what's the deal with Brandon Ingram? I, God, it didn't look like it was that big of a blow to him when he ran yeah, into he, Najee Marshall. Yeah. Obviously, it was. I, I'm just yeah, shocked that just he is uh, out right? this long. Yeah, that, that swing by Najee's hand caught Brandon just perfectly right kind of across the nose and the face to where he got a concussion, right? He even tried to come back in that game, but he felt dizzy. But I'll yeah. tell you what, there's been some good news. I've been hearing that he was concussion-free when the, uh, the team left for their West Coast trip, so that meant that he had passed like that initial stage, right? Show no concussion symptoms at rest. So now what he has to do is go through the rest of the protocol, which involves you know some light exercise, get checked out, move up to progress up to medium exercise and of course strenuous and if every step is met where he doesn't show that concussion symptoms well then he'll be back on the court and i'll tell you what it sounds like he's he's nearing a return because those that pay attention on instagram i noticed it through twitter people that watch his account say that he posted i'm going to be back active soon he misses playing with him but it sounds like he's well on his way to a recovery and return to the court well, you can give you can give these other players minutes. You don't have to uh, bombard your stars with with minutes. You can just pace it out a little bit, and boy, that adds to that marathon known as the NBA season. So exciting times ahead. Let's get the Lakers on Wednesday. Pack the blender on Friday. I'm looking for two tickets. Anybody got some? I'll pay. <laughs> I'm not looking for freebies. I'll pay, Ollie. I'll pay, Ollie. Okay. This is going to be top draw, I think, finally. We're, I'm, I already saw in a couple of home games, Jordy, 
more people turn out than they ever do. And you're right. It used to be an event that you say for December onwards where people yeah. start showing up. No, they start coming out now, and they're only going to continue to come with the Pelicans doing well. How about a good? How about this weekend? Friday night, the Warriors. Monday night, the Ravens against the Saints. Oh, what a great time to be in the city. Um, Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. Happy Halloween, my friend. I love talking hoops with you. I really do. Thank you so much. Likewise, Jordy. And have a good rest of your Monday. You got it, my friend. Ali Cassell with us. We'll take a quick time out. When we, head to, when we come back, we'll talk Phillies-Astros Game 3. Could be the turning point of the series after this timeout on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, we are back on this uh, Halloween, October 31st, Game 3 of the World Series tonight. Maybe uh, weather could be an impact. Uh, Major League Baseball hopes to make a call on tonight's game by 5.30 our time. So we will stand by and wait to see on that. But in the meantime, we're going to talk baseball with um, my main man, Eddie Yarnell, the lefty. The All-American, uh, the the World Series champion, and all that stuff, and he joins us now. Eddie, how are you, buddy? Hey, Jordy, doing well, man, doing well. You dressing up for Halloween tonight, or what you got going on? No, that'll be a that'll be a negative on that one. I think we uh, <laughs> we actually just got back from a little trip, so we're going over to uh, some friends, and you know, my son's got a couple buddies to go with and we're just going to kind of take it easy and uh, hopefully have this game on if it if it does uh kick off on time yeah i i hope so um every stadium should have a roof man it's to that point now where they spend billions what does it cost to put a roof on there okay let's do it portable roof in out boom and you get to play the game so that's just you know, if I was the if I was the uh, MLB commissioner, these these owners have so much money. Put a retractable roof so the weather doesn't play an impact on it. What have you thought of the series yeah. to date? Yeah, I agree with the roof thing, man. Like you said, because because there's different advantages with that too, right? I mean, some some a team might benefit if they get an extra day, but in terms of the series, man, I mean, look, they're, they're playing like this is uh, even even the game. Uh, the second game where Philly um, really got, got behind win. and didn't make it as interesting, but uh, they still they fought. I mean, Schwarber was you know two two swings in a row where he just missed a homer and just missed a homer, right? Yeah. Uh, so they're battling. Um, Houston's doing you know doing their thing. Uh, it, it's you know if you don't like this, then, then you're not a baseball fan for sure. Uh, how, and, how good uh, is Alex Bregman? I mean, in the postseason, okay. man, he, he just hits home runs. You know, you can just uh, – Jordy, and I don't know Alex at all. I mean, obviously he's an LSU guy, but I haven't had a, had a chance to meet him yet because um, he doesn't really – he's not living here in the off season right. either. But right. he just looks intense. Like, he looks like he's enjoying the moment. And yes. it's, it's a serious but fun type mentality is what it looks like to me with him. And he, he really is enjoying it. And uh, he's scary, man. Like, he, he really is. Uh, he's defensively, he made a, a barehanded play on the run that was phenomenal. 
obviously hitting wise, I mean, he, you make a mistake to him. He, he's so short and quick to the ball that, you know, you can't take a breath with that lineup, but, uh, you know, Phillies, you know, starters need to, to do a little bit better job. I feel like the rest of the way in order for them to have a okay. shot, their bullpen's really good, but Houston wears them down. Yeah. With that in mind, the Phillies are going to give Ranger Suarez an extra day of rest after he threw in relief in game one. So righty Noah Syndergaard gets to start in game three if they play tonight. Now, if they don't play tonight, maybe they go with Suarez tomorrow. The Astros will counter with Lance McCullers. Uh, who do you give the eggs to out of those two? Yeah, I mean, uh, both of them, right? Noah was a was a big-time arm with the Mets years ago. Kind of had yes, injuries. So he doesn't throw quite as hard. He still throws 92, 94, you know. I mean, he's not the upper 90s, 100 guy he was years ago. And Lance McCullers, you know, wasn't healthy most of the year. And he's a, he's a curveball guy. He spins it you know, more than anybody in the game, really. Uh, he doesn't, you know, I think he's thrown minimal fastballs to any left-handed hitters, you know with the Phillies or, or even all year. So, you know, I agree with you. I think, you know, Houston's so deep. I mean, they got Arquiti and, and Garcia, who probably start for the Phillies if they have them, you know, on their team. Uh, I think if the rain happens, it helps Philly, obviously, more than it does Houston because Houston's just a little deeper club. Uh-huh. Um, but this is a proven game for both of these arms, man. And, and you know, power plays. I still feel like power arms are, are what, you know, this game is, is going towards. And McCullers is a finesse guy, and that curveball can get away from you at times. And I think Syndergaard is going to have a good start, you know, if they do play the game tonight. So I like I like, I like Noah. I like Thor in this one. Mm, okay. Um, Astros are kind of scary. They, they, they kind of cruise through the playoffs unbeaten, and Jose Altuve didn't do a thing. Now Altuve's starting to get going. He had a – uh, leadoff double. He had a three-hit performance. When Altuve's good, man, I don't know how you sl- I don't know how you stop this team. Yeah, I mean, like you're right. I mean, he's had seven. I think he had seven hits these last couple games. I and mean, you know, after the O for twenty, whatever start it was, so he's caught fire a little bit, and he just does some amazing things at the plate. I mean, he took a ball that was a O two eyeballs high one two fastball i mean executed the pitch perfectly the pitcher and he just took it and took put his foot down paused and slapped it it's like <laughs> so when when he's right he's definitely the catalyst but i mean look you're never going to have the whole lineup clicking at the same time we always used to say like if you got three guys that are pretty hot you know in the lineup they can carry a team if you got some pitching too and and, and they they all seem to be rotating on both sides jordy that, that you know I don't know what you can do to slow Altuve down and Bregman. And, you know, Jordan Alvarez hasn't really done much either, looking for him to heat up. So, but look, the, the Phillies are, I, I know these are numbers, and, and the Phillies are 5 and 0 at home this postseason, and Houston hadn't lost before, you know, right. the other day, game one. But I find it really hard that Philly's not going to at least win two out of three at their home ballpark. I mean, I, I think if you want to go home fielding, you know, that's kind of a you know up in the air. Well, what does that mean, home field? You still got to play the game. Yeah, but Philly fans are different. I was born in Philly. I lived there just for nine years. And I, I, I know that fan base and that group there. And 
man, it's going to be a little bit intimidating for Houston, I think. I mean, they're professional. They can put, but you're definitely going to feel it more. I mean, that's why okay. it's a thing. Home field advantage matters, and I think Philly's home field far outweighs what Houston's is. No disrespect to the Houston fans at all. Uh, it's just different. It's different it than New York, different. even. I'm with you. It, it seems to be different. It really does. Mm-hmm. But what what yeah, a great time sure. to be in Philly. I mean, the, the Eagles are undefeated, and the, the Phillies are at home playing in the World Series. I mean, and that that's why it was so critical. That game one was so important to the Phillies to be able to get a, a split in Houston. Now they get to go back home. Advantage Phillies, I would think. Yeah, sure. Like you said, I mean, you, you want to steal that one game. Obviously, it would have been great they win, too. But, I mean, they got they did what they needed to do in Houston. They won a game. So, home field technically is now back to, to Philly. I mean, because they've got, you know, three at home, where Houston would only have two at most if we went seven right. games. So, you got three home games that you need to get it done in. Now, I don't think Philly's going to win all three at home. I don't think they're going to keep that up. But I really find it hard to have, you know, Aaron, Nola, and Zach Wheeler struggle as they did the first two starts. Mm-hmm. And the good news is they didn't pitch well, and they still split. They won one. So right. I look for Aaron to bounce back whenever he gets his chance, depending on this rain thing. It might be, not be till game five, six, maybe, whatever it is. Uh, who knows? Five if it's rained out, yeah. six probably if it's not. But but I, I think this is going seven. I think Philly is more comfortable in Houston than Houston will be in Philly. Okay. Talking to a big leaguer that's been there, done that, Eddie Arnold, kind enough to join us. If you had told me in game one, Houston had a five-run lead and Justin Verlander was on the mound and they would lose, I'd say, you're crazy. But Verlander can't win in the World Series. He's over. What's up with that? He is. Oh, for six and, you know, 39. Yeah, they they threw some crazy stats out there that, you know, I think he still, I mean, he personally hasn't lost a game when given a five-round lead. And I think the team was like a hundred and something and six. Yeah. When he, I mean, it's some, like you're saying, it's a 90 whatever percent chance, but this is why we play, play the game because what's supposed to happen and what happens often doesn't. So, I mean, Houston's definitely the better team. They're the more we're around the team. Yeah. Over 162, but we're talking about if you broke the season down into weeks, I mean, you can look at the Pirates or some of these teams that didn't have a, a great year, and in a, in a seven-day span, they could be five and two, six and one. So it's the short burst, and it's really about individuals and who comes through and, and, and who makes that play, you know, as players, not necessarily looking at the whole team because you only need a couple guys to get hot in a short series right, to change the right. outcome of the game. So long-term, different, but, I mean – and I'm just Philly's still got that momentum and that edge. I feel like that they're almost playing like with house money, right? I mean, look, yeah. we fired a manager. We weren't, we weren't supposed to be here. We're really, right. you know, just having fun. You know, something to be said about that. that. 90s, something to be said. We shall see. Let's fingers and toes cross that they get game three in tonight. If not, they'll just push everything back, and we'll get to watch Monday Night Football tonight. We'll watch Burrow versus the Browns. And then we'll have the World mm. Series tomorrow. Might not be a bad thing there, uh, Eddie. Might not. Sounds good. I'm mixing a little trick or treating and get your Halloween yeah. candy bowl in front of you. So make sure you grill those hot dogs. Sports. Have some chili. Have yourself a cold adult uh, brewski yeah. and and roll on, big guy. Roll on. 
for sure. Sounds like a plan, man. All right, man. Eddie, thank you, man. Let's uh, fingers and toes Absolutely. crossed. Let's get this game in. We shall see. But enjoy it, man. Yeah. Thanks so much for talking with us. I appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks a lot, Jordy. All right, Eddie Yarnell with us. If you want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda forever, text Panther to 337-283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing at Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on November the 10th. Once again, text Panther, P-A-N-T-H-E-R, to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda forever. Brought to you by the game. Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. Um, here's a little stat for you and yours. Blake Rafino coming up next. We'll talk more about uh, LSU and Bama. Auburn, who fired Brian Harson. Auburn has paid roughly $37 million in football head coaching buyouts in the past 687 days. So when you do the math, division... That comes out to $54,900 per day that they're paying some people not to be on their premises. $54,900 for a total of $37 million. Go away. We don't want you anymore. Go. Wow. Unbelievable. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. When we return to the Jordy Helpert Show here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? Please wash your hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time and it hits my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holberg and the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the greatest, the greatest ever for Halloween and the, the greatest video, Michael Jackson. Oh, absolutely. All right. Um, after a bye week, uh, both LSU, Alabama back at it. They will uh, kick it off in Tiger Stadium, 6 p.m. It will be raucous to say the very, very least. It's nice to have these two teams playing again with a lot on the line. Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast joins us. And first off, Congratulations, Dad. You and your wife had baby number two. That is awesome, buddy. Congrats. Thank you, Jordy. I really appreciate it. Yep. Baby number two. Um, Boy, girl, even, what do we have? Yeah, we had a little girl named Jewel. That was my grandmother's name. Awesome. Um, she, uh, my, is... you know, my grandmother was a part of, actually a massive part of raising me, Jordy. So, um, Keeping it well, in that's the family, awesome. brother. Keeping it in the family. That's awesome. I hope you're getting some sleep. I hope you're letting your ma, your your wife ah. get some sleep, and you're taking over some of the duties, big fella. Yeah, I, my 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 shift ended last night at twelve, so I'm sure <laughs> we'll uh, we'll continue we'll continue this going as uh, the wow. next two weeks continue to progress. Well, congratulations! I'm glad everybody's healthy and happy, <laughs> and that's 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 wonderful news. Um. Okay, let's see. So you've looked at this thing. You've you've talked a little bit about Alabama, and um, Alabama's different this year. The thing that I think gives LSU hope and the possibilities of, one, they have the type of quarterback that gives Alabama some problems, 
And number two, Alabama doesn't have Jerry Judy and Waddle and um, you know Devontae and, and those those wide receivers that scare the <clears> heck <throat> out of you. They they got good wide receivers. They don't have those elite wide receivers like they've had in the past. In my opinion, does that make sense to you? No, it does, and you're right. They don't have the Amari Coopers, the Judys, the Smiths, but they also have some really talented young wide receivers that Georgia that at any moment could could bust out, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, look, the the problem is is that Georgia, you're going to have to you're going to have to take away the running game and just make Bryce Young beat you in a way, right? right. Meaning. You're going to have to just rely that your DBs can match up with these inexperienced uh, wide receivers on the outside. Because let me tell you this: if Jamar Gibbs or or Gibbs gets going, you're in for a long day. You're in for a very long day. So, as much as I hate to say it, Latu, the tight end, has been probably the most consistent uh, for Alabama. That is the most consistent receiver for them. you know, look, they're beatable, Jordy. This isn't years past. This isn't Les Miles going up against Alabama. They're That's very right. beatable. We've seen them be beat. There are things that you got to do to beat them. Now, is LSU going to win? I don't know. But, look, this, this team offensively is very one-dimensional in a sense. They, they, they really try to rely on Bryce Young's arm a little too much at times, which has been their downfall. You've seen Saban on the sidelines become unglued at times at Bill O'Brien because he's relying too much on Bryce Young. So, look, they, they struggle at times, but let's not get it twisted, Jordan. They got playmakers now. The, the only Listen, problem is you just got to pray to God they don't those five-star receivers don't bust out this week against you after a bye week. One thing I know about Alabama, they never get blown out. As good as people say Tennessee is, and Tennessee's the number two ranked team in the country. We'll see what they're all about when they go to Georgia and play in Athens this Saturday. Much like as great as LSU was in 2019, you remember the score of that game? I mean, LSU had to fight till the very end. Bama's never going to give in. They're always going to come back. And Tennessee only beat them by three, and Bama really should have won the game. Yeah, look, here's how you beat Nick Saban. You have to have exceptional quarterback play. Yes, that's Bottom line. no doubt. Name the teams, Jordy, that's beat, that's beat Nick Saban. Because I can name them, and those teams have had exceptional Johnny Manziel play. in Texas A&M. That, uh, what's the, what was the quarterback for Ole Miss that did it to him? Well, both of them. It was uh, Bo Wallace who went yes. for Cocoa Puffs, and then uh, uh, Chad Kelly went yep. cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And, and look – Really, in that in that second game, if you remember, they dropped the interception and it tipped up in the air, and the receiver for Ole Miss caught it and went for eighty. Right, that's like, exactly they right. They needed like er- everything that happened has to go Ole your Miss, way. Those two years that could have gone right did go right. Yep. You yep. know, you you need a little bit of a break, but here's here's the difference: those teams are better than this team. Right now, yes. this Alabama yes. team has not played a complete game yet. I, the only argument that you can make is, which is bad for LSU, is their most complete game was the last game that they played against Mississippi State following a loss. So yep. they really shut down uh, Mississippi State in that passing attack. They got pressure on Will Rogers. The only thing is, Jordan, they're getting healthy along with LSU. So it's going to be a dogfight. 
from the from the beginning to end, a complete dogfight. No question. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast is uh is joining us. It's gonna be a packed, raucous, raucous crowd. I, I wish are you a fan of like Penn State doing the whiteout and Georgia doing the blackout? Do you think LSU fans would fall for something like that? Uh, am I a fan of it? Yes. I'm especially a fan of it when Penn State does it because their fans listen. Do Everybody does it. LSU fans yes. will do it? No, because they get too drunk. <laughs> especially at 6 p.m. But I know, it's I mean, hard I, for – it's hard for our ladies to enjoy things in purple or in gold. It's hard. They, they, you know, they like to wear the the tiger stripes and stuff like that. But I don't know. I wish that we could do that. A blackout would be pretty cool. Yeah, you you remember um, a couple of years ago they did a gold out. If you remember, against I think South Carolina at home, and no, and yeah. the student section did it. And nobody else really did. So I don't think mm-hmm. that LSU should do it. I mean, it's cool with tradition. Look, you you can't, you know, George, but Georgia and Penn State has done stuff like that before in the past, and it's kind of their tradition to do that. So, Georgia did it once and got blown out. They don't do it anymore. But Penn State, that's the coolest looking thing ever. And we need to get the lights that go around the stadium. Like when Tennessee played Bama, they had the lights all orange. The whole place looked orange. We need to do that. Scott, come on, listen to me. That was actually a part of. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they released that. It's a part of their, their renovation. If you've seen the work that's going on on the outside uh, of the stadium, that's a part of it. They're already okay. in the works and doing it. Good. Good. We need mm-hmm. to get up to speed on that kind of stuff. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. How about Ole Miss taking care of uh, Texas A&M and uh, Lane Kiffin uh, you know, saying uh, maybe, maybe Jimbo has a clown outfit for me. So these coaches listen to all the things said about them. Yeah, and look, I think that for for Jimbo, even in a loss, it was kind of the best thing that can happen with Connor Weigman. Jordan, he's the best quarterback yes. on that roster. It's not close. And and really and truthfully, if that young man continues to get better, they're going to be a problem. Yes. And I think that I think that what you've got to look at with Jimbo, they're playing. They played seven and Jordan over twenty snaps now. They played seventeen freshmen. Yep. Okay, that's what he's got. That's what he's got to base his future on. Now he's he's got to say, look, all you guys are talking about buying me out. No, look, here's the future. The future is now we're going to get better and we're going to be a team to be reckoned with. So uh, I'm with you on that. How about uh, Auburn? Yeah, we knew Auburn was going to fire Harson. We just didn't know when. Well, they did that. As soon as they hired the AD from well, everybody's poaching other SEC schools. Back in the day, that was unheard of. But now. Auburn gets the Mississippi State AD as soon as they finalize that deal and they're going to make a press conference about that. Then they cut ties with Harson so that the Cohen can go after the guy he wants. And my guy tells me who knows Auburn football better than anybody that their number one get. They're going to make Lane Kiffin tell him no. Agreed. I've heard the same. And really and truthfully, really and truthfully, it's the, it's the probably the biggest name, the best name they can go after because look, Lane can recruit. I think that Jordy Auburn will spend the money in NIL. You know, Ross Dellinger uh, broke a story today that Auburn has has accumulated over thirteen million dollars in funds for NIL to go into recruiting for this year for their new coach. Yeah. So this has already been in the works. I think Lane is. I think Lane is the type of human being, 
and the type of coach that can go into Auburn, he might not ever win it, okay? He might not ever win it all. But he, he can get you to 10 wins. Jordy, if he can get Ole Miss to 10 wins, he can get anybody to 10 wins. Gene Chizik won a national championship at Auburn. Gene Chizik. Well, well right. So, and, 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 but, but consistently, though, Jordy, meaning, you know, because Gus, Gus, Gus had a good run. You know, he got to a natty and lost, but he had yeah. a good run. If you can win 10 games at Ole Miss, Jordy, they're going to win 10 games again. They're yeah. going to win 10 games this season, right, me and Ole Miss. It will be the first time in Ole Miss's history that they've had a coach with back-to-back 10-win seasons. Lane Kiffin did that now. So as much as everybody likes to snip at Lane Kiffin, myself included, he's going to be able to recruit better. He's going to be able to get the guys in there, and God bless it if he gets a quarterback. Because watch out. And I think Nick knows this. And I think that they'll do some things to make sure it doesn't happen. But God bless it, Jordy. I'm telling you, let that man go to Auburn and see what happens. It's oh, going to look, be. It's going to be. I'm, I'm a believer. Alabama's going to be the state of football. I'm telling you, he can recruit. He can call plays. He is a mastermind. It would be unreal if he was at Auburn. Yeah, they. Uh, they. And you know, you always hire the opposite of what you had. And Auburn's offense was terrible. And Kiffin's would come in there. I, I don't know what it's going to take, but he is going to uh, command and demand an awful lot of money and. Uh, Auburn's just the kind of school that'll figure out a way to pony up to see if they can get them. So good for them. Well, they good should. They, Jory, it's the hardest. Tell me if I'm wrong, in your opinion. Auburn is a tough, right now, Auburn is the toughest school in the country to coach. Yeah. I don't know why these people you, feel like uh, they're so entitled at Auburn. I, I just don't get it. But, man, it, they're paying over yeah. $35 million it, for coaches not – to coach there between Gus Malzahn's twenty-one million <laughs> and now um, Brian Harson's fifteen and a half million—that is obscene. And it's in, in two years, thirty-five million. Well, and it's kind of—it's kind of Jordy, you know. Like it makes you—it makes it look as if, and you can see what a good AD can do, right? Meaning, you go and get Brian Kelly, or you go and get Lane Kiffin. Or here's another thing, like for Ole Miss's sake, you don't fire your head baseball coach, right? right. And you, right. and then the next season he goes out and wins a natty. I, I mean, yep. good good ads know how to do this. I think Collins a good ad. I think he's a really really good ad. He's going to get it fixed, and they're going to be a problem. I, and listen, they're going to be a, if they get this right. If they get this right, they're going to be a, a massive thorn in Saban's side. And there's yeah. only one program in the country, only one, that can give Alabama a run for their money in, to make Saban call it quits. Because if Saban can't get the four and five stars inside his state like he's normally doing, and he's got a battle, okay then. Because, yeah. Jordy, a, a th- more than a third, I, I did this today, 37% of his roster is four and five star recruits from the state of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Cut that in half and then what? That that's listen. That's why I always said, if Nick Saban never left LSU, how many national championships? Because he doesn't have an Auburn to recruit against in the state. He's the only flagship university, the only Power Five school out there. Can you imagine with all the talent in this state what he could have done? Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's kind of scary. I don't want to think. I don't want to think about that on Halloween. It's too spooky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's his birthday today too. So what the heck? I know. God, sakes Okay, so this game comes down to uh, Jaden Daniels has to play like he's been playing, and if he does that, LSU's got a legitimate shot to win this thing. Correct. Yeah, I, I, if they, if he plays remotely close to what he's done the last few weeks, Jordy, they're going to win it. <laughs> they're, they're, listen to me, they're going to win it. If they score 45 points again, Jordy, they're going to win. That's what it's going to take, I'm though. I'm calling it. You're not going to beat gonna Alabama take, scoring you're right. 30. It's going to take that. But if yep. they get to 40, Jordy, if they get to 38 points, it's over. Meaning LSU, they won it. I'm telling you. Because yeah. I, I don't think – Nick Nick was asked this question and he and he and he fumbled it today. If you listen, this is the best defense they've played. He knows it, and everybody else knows it. So, oh, okay. Because uh, you're Tennessee. No, you got to no. beat by Tennessee because you're going for it on fourth down. Brian Kelly talks about it. Jordy. That game against LSU was closer than what people are going right. to give it credit for. I'm telling you, if they if they get to 38 points, LSU wins. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing I like. When I look across from Saban and I look on the LSU sideline, I feel a lot better with Brian Kelly than I did the two coaches that <laughs> came before him. Truth. I'm just saying. Well, and here's another thing. I, I know this for a fact. Everybody's, you know, they, they play this perfectly. They talk, you know, they, LSU talks about all weekend, oh, we're going home, we're doing this, we're doing that. Jordan, they were there. They didn't leave. I know for a fact quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, defensive backs were getting in light work during the weekend. I know for a fact that, the, that you know, and this is not what's happened in season past, quarterback was in the film room, along with Kayshawn Booty, uh, Booty. So, again, yeah, they went home, quote, unquote. Yep, sure did. That's what they did. Y'all believe that. They <laughs> Again, this is a culture changer, right? When kids yep. used to go home. Now, some of them went home for, you know, stayed at home with their mom and dad. Some of them, a lot of them stayed. A lot of them came back Saturday night. So All right. I'm just telling you, just be, just be careful. This team is getting better, Jordy, and it's starting with no Brian Kelly and the culture. It would be quite the coup if they could do it. Uh, again, congratulations on the birth of your, your daughter. You, uh, that's fabulous. Um, let, let's get a win over Bama to help celebrate it even more. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. See, see ya. We'll talk to you soon, Jordy. You got it, my friend. All right, we'll take our final time out of the day. We'll come back. Uh, we'll repeat the birthday wishes and get on out of here on this Monday edition of the Jordy Helper Show on Halloween. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. One of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props that I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for tonight's game. I'll take the under on Joe Burrow's passing yards and anytime Nick Chubb touchdown and then the Bengals money line. Same game parlays are just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. It's easy to register, easy to deposit, and easy to find your bets. It's also easy to place your bet fast during a game if you see a trend that you like. There's no feeling like nailing a same game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get up to $150 in free bets, win or lose with promo code KLWB. That's promo code 
KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is now a drawable free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. If today is your birthday, Halloween, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share it with Nick Saban, who is 71 years old today. And my coach, Dale Brown, um, is 87 years young today. Coach, I love you. Happy birthday. We spoke earlier today. I'm going to say it again. Happy, happy, happy birthday to you. And uh, keep on keeping on, big guy. Keep on keeping on. Special thanks to our guests, Chris Rosevaglu with the uh, Saints shutout win over the Raiders. Up next, the Ravens on Monday Night Football in the Dome. Glenn West previewing LSU Bama. Ali Cassell, the Pels are 4-2 and two after beating the Clippers. They've got the Lakers on Wednesday. Golden State back home on Friday. Eddie Arnold on the World Series. Will they play game three tonight? And Major League Baseball will update at 5 p.m. We shall see. And Blake Rafino. Come on back tomorrow. Same time, 2 to 4. Same great station. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, stay healthy, be kind, and be happy. So long, everybody.